You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, babe, what's going on? Hey, Shane, I saw your Craigslist ad is gone viral. <laughs> Have you seen this on? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this cannot be real. This cannot be real. And if it is, I want to meet the guy. <laughs> All right, for anyone that doesn't know, you probably don't know what we're talking about. We got to give credit to this guy, Z Duck. That's Z E H Duck on Twitter. He found this. It's a Craigslist ad here. And one Tennessee fan says he's looking for a female to accompany him to the games. And I'm going to read you his listing here. This is pretty bizarre. Here it goes. My girlfriend broke up with me a couple weeks ago, so I find myself with an extra ticket to each Tennessee football game. Not looking for a relationship, merely a lady that would be interested in accompanying me to a game or two. The group that I tailgate with are all couples, ages 40 to 60s, must behave in a respectable manner. No drunks, no drugs, no <laughs> vulgarity. Must be willing to tailgate for most of the day slash evening. I have one and only one parking pass. I arrive early, stay late, plan on a six to eight hour day. You must be a Vol fan. Sorry, but I'm not wanting to sit next to a gator, dog, cat, or door. If you have a favorite tailgate dish you wish to share, bonus points. <laughs> I'm open to having different person at each game, or if we are mutually compatible, then maybe most or all the same games with the same person. Ask that you are willing to pay face value for the ticket. That applies to both Georgia and Georgia State. You can't lowball for the best games and expect lesser games for near free. Would you like to chat and meet prior to before going to the game? <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. So I don't even know what the hell this offer is, Shane. If, if he's making them pay face value, he's basically just looking for a woman that uh, I, I, I have. A, you know, the only thing I'm surprised about, I'm surprised he didn't say, like, you must be a beautiful woman or have big tits or something like that. That's the, that's the only thing this guy's missing. And I'm sure this guy, if he's on Craigslist looking for a woman, uh, I don't think he's really a winner. No, he's been shopping there before, Mike, you know? <laughs> Still a little fishing. And, you know, he had an opportunity here until he, like you said, he said the price. 
And if it costs money, then then why are they going to meet up at this creepo? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just that that blew my mind. I saw a lot of Miss Doubtfire memes. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, hello, <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot! All right, Shane. Before we go around the league, we wanted to hit on this real note. We're not going to go a deep dive on this because we've you know we've seen this stuff all off season. But the coaches, so the coaches have an official SEC ballot where they list you know first team second team third team offense defense and special teams so that came out here on thursday like i said i'm not going to break down the entire list but i did just want to make a quick note of each school and how many players they had selected Uh, so let's start at the top alabama with 16 georgia with 10 auburn and lsu each had nine Missouri, eight. That's kind of surprising to see the Tigers that high. Florida, six. Kentucky, Mississippi State, and Texas A&M all had five. South Carolina and Vanderbilt each had four. Arkansas, Tennessee each had three. And Ole Miss with the goose egg, Shane. (laughs) Mike, I kind of zoned out because I'm tired of these lists, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the 20th one. Which one's the official one? I don't know. But, you know, we we got football in eight days. Talking season's over and these lists are over. Let's let these guys play a little ball. Then we can judge them a little. Yeah, the only thing I, I would add on this, I wish they would put this out before SEC media days. So mm-hmm. then you could kind of ask the coaches about who they voted for. and so I mean, I know they probably wouldn't say, but uh, I think that would kind of make SEC media days a little bit interesting. Wait, on this one, is it, I mean, do we know which coach voted and who they co- voted for? No, we, they don't oh. reveal that, and the, the only stipulation is you cannot vote for your own player. Uh, so, yeah. But this just kind of goes to show what the rest of the SEC thinks, particularly of Alabama, Georgia, you know, so many guys up there, and uh, nobody is really liking Ar- Arkansas, Tennessee, or Ole Miss right now. Now, are these head coaches? Yeah, just the head coaches. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I will tell you, out of all the lists, this one probably I would be, like, more inclined to believe just because these guys – study film on them you know what i'm saying so right. if saban picked somebody it's because he saw it in a film or saw him in the game and he really liked what they were doing so yeah i guess if i were to give credit to any of these lists that have come out this offseason this one would probably be the one i'd be more interested in well there you go shane it only took me a minute to flip your mind on this one <laughs> no i'm still not gonna look at it but you know, <laughs> it's like all alabama and georgia yeah we got it they're good <laughs> All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. I'll reply, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over and you know like every other or every third song it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice so you just uh, you get used to it it's a catchy tune right I mean. this game's gonna be a street fight this game's gonna be a street fight i mean some of you guys don't know who kimbo slice is hopefully you do um, and you go back to it man this isn't a sanctioned fight this is a street fight i mean this is the sec so man it's time it's time to put on the hard hat launch bail let's get to work All right, Shane, we're going to start in Baton Rouge, and we don't have much of a clip from the press conference. We actually do have one we'll get to in just a second, but 
Uh, Cocho, not a ton of you know clips here that we need to jump to, but the big news in Baton Rouge, Grant Delpit back at practice. He had missed six consecutive practices. I was starting to get worried there for him. You know, Chason's been down. Joe Burrow's been missing in action. Burrow, he got into the lineup back fairly quick. I think he only missed one scrimmage, so not a huge deal there. But just it just seems like LSU, something's going on down there. You know, it's it's probably too early to panic, but you know, all these marquee players not in the lineup. That's that's troubling. And then uh, the big news: five-star offensive lineman Cardell Thomas out with a what they're calling a significant injury. They've not ruled him out for the season, but it kind of sounds like that's the case. And I feel real bad for this guy because I don't know that he was really going to get a ton of playing time. I know he was, you know, some people say he could potentially push for a starting gig. And he was a guy, Shane, I think his senior year there in high school, he was pushing, you know, 360, 370. And I think, mm. he, I think he got down to about 320 this summer. So he really put in the work. So you hate to hear news like this. But, man, it just seems like everybody in the SEC is dropping like flies. Yeah, I mean, you hate to hear it. I mean, that's depth. You know, I don't think he was going to start or anything like that, but he could have worked his way in the in the lineup for sure. But, you know, that Burroughs, you know, I think, honestly, if you talk to him, he probably would have played if he had to, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Burroughs tough. He, hell, he lost his head there at the bowl game and came back <laughs> in the next play. So, uh, I think we're fine there. I think they're just being safe and being, you know, because they, they – I mean, if Texas is right around the corner, you know, they can't afford to be limping into the season. Right. And speaking of injuries here in Baton Rouge, and I don't believe we hit on this during any of these podcasts, but defensive line coach Dennis Johnson, man, he blew out both his knees at a pickup basketball game just uh, here recently. So they had to find another coach to replace him, Shane. And it sounds like uh, this was first reported by Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, but uh, longtime NFL defensive line coach Bill Johnson is going to replace Dennis Johnson here for this year. And this uh, Bill Johnson, he's he's longtime worked with the Saints. Last year he's with the Rams. He's worked with the Broncos and the Falcons coaching D-line for about 20 years. So, uh, hell, if, if you lose a coach and you're able to get a 20-year vet to, to jump right <laughs> in, obviously you don't want to see a coach go down, but – probably couldn't have got a, a better guy to sub in here this late in the season. You know, when I first heard Bill Johnson was coming in, it seems like I knew this guy, you know. So I, I looked him up and, uh, nope, don't recognize him, Mike. So the fact that he's been around for 20 years, though, you know, he's probably got a, a ton of experience. He's got a lot of NFL talent on that team. So you got a guy like that, you know, because that's what these kids are striving to be is get to the next level. So uh, who better to coach you than a guy that was just there, you know. Right, and so obviously they didn't fire Dennis Johnson or anything, you know. But he's on the sidelines; he's in a wheelchair. And remember, we were talking on a previous episode, Shane Braden Fehoku on his big fumble return. Uh, Coach O was asked about it, and he—I mean, he—this is the gem of his presser here, talking about Dennis Johnson's reaction on the sidelines. Look good. Look really good. For the first five steps, <laughs> for the first five steps you know, he got caught by Burden, but you know. You know, Coach Dennis Johnson uh, has a motorized wheelchair, and we say big plays fuel emotion. And he was on the sideline. He can't coach, but he's just sitting there watching. And that's the fastest I've seen that motorized wheelchair moving. <laughs> but everybody was fired up. That was a big play. All right, Shane, how great is this? I mean, they got, they got electronic wheelchairs that are moving pretty quick down there in Baton Rouge. 
Dude, that's awesome, man. I mean, that's a. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, a guy just <laughs> wants to be on the field like that. It's so damn excited. He's got that thing doing wheelies out there. I love it. <laughs> All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina. Where Taven Feaster, for the first time since announcing he was going to South Carolina, met with the media down there in Columbia. Let's kick it to him first, and then we'll on the back end we'll discuss it. But. I just thought these were some interesting comments on you know why he left Clemson. He's pretty transparent, and why he picked South Carolina over Virginia Tech. Uh, so let's uh, jump to Taven Feaster here. It was a couple of days after I made my decision. Uh, they hit me up, and uh, we got to talking. And uh, obviously, I liked what I heard, and I liked the opportunity here. How close was the decision between here and anything anywhere else? Uh, it was, it was uh, this in Virginia Tech. Uh, I would say I, I, I like Virginia Tech. I like the setup they had. But uh, obviously, I thought this was the best place for me to come in right away and uh, help the team out. What was the clincher for you to, you know, to be in the garden in black? What, what was, what was the, the thing you were like, okay, I'm definitely coming here? Uh, for me, <laughs> it is going to be funny saying this. Uh, it, it was definitely uh, Coach Brown. He's an amazing track record. Uh, I like the way he, you know, coaches, the intensity, uh, a guy that's going to be on you every day and demands your best. Uh, and so, you know, that was like the biggest deciding factor for me. When was your first inkling that you wanted to leave Clemson? Well, I kind of, you know, I just needed more opportunity uh, for myself and uh, to try to get myself in a better position for, uh, you know, things ahead. But, uh, man, and that was really it. It was a... It was a decision I had to make for myself, and, uh, and that's what I was stuck with. And Clemson, everything. But how how, how was your uh, you know welcoming, if you will? Coming you know, my my teammates have been great. You know, uh, you know, I haven't had any trouble or anything like that. You know, they asked me questions, and you know, uh, what led to my decision, and I told them. You know, basically the same thing I'm telling you guys. So. All right, Shane. So I thought this was interesting because of how transparent he was, in particular, and it just sounds like. You know, if he's going to catch the NFL's eye, he knows he's got to be featured. He wants to play in a system that's going to allow him to do that. So I assume, you know, they probably didn't promise him anything there at South Carolina, but they just probably told him of the the opportunity that was there in Columbia. And it sounds like he's eager to take advantage of, in essentially a contract year for him. Dude, you're right, man. I mean, this is all about playing time. And he wasn't going to get it at Clemson. He got beat out. And that's not saying that he's a bad running back. It's just they've got a better one down there. So now he had options, and he wants to be, like you said, a feature guy because his goal, again, is to get to the next level, and he felt South Carolina gave him the best opportunity. So, uh, yeah, this whole interview, man, he he did not hide anything. Anything they asked, he he delivered, man. He said he got rid of all his Clemson gear. He's <laughs> three, yeah. three years' worth of gear He's he says is gone. And, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, there's probably – I'm sorry, he too, and he said Dabo called him, you know. You'd think leaving, you know, you heard the thing with Kelly Bryant and the and the ring situation, but it seems like, you know, Dabo was supportive with uh, Feaster, you know, calling him up, wishing him the best. So that was pretty cool too. Well, he may be wishing him the best, Shane. He may be trying to douse some flames here because where I was going to go with this is just the fact we know this is such a heated rivalry. They don't talk about it a ton in public but I'm sure it's being used behind the scenes and now you got a guy here that was essentially passed up here at Clemson it, it doesn't sound like he's got any ill will but I mm-hmm. mean he's got 
further motivation to show them that they made the wrong mistake, and he'll get his chance to face those guys here in November. Oh, dude, there there ain't a, a more hungry running back since Benny Snell, you know? <laughs> a little chip on this guy's shoulder, I guarantee you that. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Gainesville. We're old LaMichael P. Ryan, Shane. He was talking up a big game. We don't have a clip for this first comment, so I'll just read it out loud. But apparently he was asked about the Gators adding Brenton Cox, transfer from Georgia, of course, and here's what he had to say. I'm pretty sure they're salty about that. (laughs) So I don't know if Florida fans really need to be, or Florida players, I should say, need to be talking trash to the Bulldogs, but uh, that's what he's doing here, and you know, this is kind of what we like to see, a little, you know, a little friendly trash talk. But he was also asked about the Miami Hurricanes, and uh, he had something to say about them, too. Says the vibe pretty for this game. Is it starting to pick up? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, if, you, if, we, if the coaches got to get us excited for this game, then we shouldn't even be able to play it. So I feel <laughs> like um, everybody's excited right now, juiced up, tired of hitting each other, and ready to go hit some Hurricanes. All right, Shane, so he's ready to hit him some Hurricanes here. <laughs> Me too, buddy. <laughs> I'm probably going to be drunk on that game. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it, man. And these guys, like you said, they've been chirping all summer. And you know, you know Dan is getting them all fired up in practice. So, uh, yeah, they're going to come out. This this is one of those games it wouldn't surprise me if they fight before they start. You know what I'm saying? Just right. group up. Next thing you know, they're they're clearing the bench. So uh, this is going to be one of those heated rivalries, and that's why I like this home and home they're going to be doing too. So uh, I think this uh, in-state Florida State Miami. I think this is good for football. Yeah, and another reason I wanted to bring this up because obviously, if you remember, you listened to our SEC Media Days podcast. If you missed that, you can go back and listen to it. But I really tried to bait all these Florida guys into saying something about Miami. None of them were biting, but I think now that uh, the game is just over a week away, they're feeling it. You know, they're mm-hmm. hearing the trash talk, and they're kind of like letting it fly a little bit more. It seems like they're they're more eager to get into it and uh, and really just let it be known how they really feel about Miami. For sure. Last thing on the Gators here, Shane. Starting right tackle Gene Delance, seen at practice on crutches. Uh, Dan Mullen has not spoken about this. I've not heard anything official about his status or how significant this injury could be. But, man, Florida, this is the one position, I guess outside of defensive back, they're pretty thin as well. But offensive line already replacing four starters up front. Man, this would be devastating if this guy's out a long period of time. I mean, I think there's they're likely going to start a true freshman in his place if uh, Delance here is gone for a while. Dude, that sucks. That's What, that's a right tackle? Yeah, starting right tackle. Jeez, no, oh, that sucks. And he, and we, we've got no information on this. Well, just he was just spotted at practice on crutches. I think Dan Mullen will speak with the media Monday, so he'll have to clear it up by then, but it'll be game week, so he may not want to reveal too much because uh, the one thing I do about know about Miami – I think the strength of their team is the front seven. So, man, going up against a, a green offensive line that uh, – now, I'm not saying this guy's out, but they're just saying he's on crutches at practice. So that's obviously not a good sign with a you know just a week over before the game gets here. No, no, it isn't. Maybe that's why P. Ryan's so upset, you know. <laughs> he's going to get hit, you know. So I hope, I hope that it ain't serious. I mean, obviously – 
I don't think that it is serious because we would have heard something. So uh, maybe it's just precautionary. You know, that's what I'm hoping because they are extremely thin, man. And you, it's one thing to lose backup. You lose a starter, there's nobody to back him up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be listening to the, to the message boards on this one, man. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Auburn. War damn eagle. Where both coordinators got to speak with the media here on Thursday, and I thought it was really interesting what Kevin Steele had to say about five-star freshman linebacker Owen Popo. It sounds like the Tigers are basically penciling this guy, true freshman, into the starting lineup already. Well, first of all, he's a very, very intelligent player. Uh, second is he's, he's got a high skill set, high skill set. And Owen is a guy, too, that, uh, you know, came in and was in spring. So this is his third time in the installation. And he's only been here since January. He had the, the spring installation. Then he had our summer installation that we do. And now he had the, the fall installation. So he's been through three installations and been here since January. So, And he's a smart guy. So, uh, you know, he, he's got an opportunity to, to, to help us in a major way. The way he is, I mean, he's a downhill guy, but he can go in coverage. Yeah, well, he's a physical guy in the box, but he's also a very, very fluid in space, quick, has good instincts, feels concepts, understands concepts, uh, knows where the stress point in the defense is. I mean, he's a smart guy, but he also has the tools to. to At at this point, do you kind of lean just toward the the experience of those linebacker spots with Britt and Wooten and McLean, or do you go, hey, Owen's got a chance here to maybe crack the rotation no he's got more than a chance uh, as, I, mean, I mean as a yeah. starter not yeah he's got more than a chance well we're just going you know we'll we still got work to do yeah. all right Shane so this was uh this and Bo Nix these are the two key recruits of Auburn's latest recruiting class you know Popo for years and years and years everyone thought he was going to Georgia Tennessee nearly swooped in and stole him from Auburn but the Tigers held off and um, it looks like that's already paying off because you know, Auburn's replacing all their starting linebackers, but if you're replacing them with the prodigy, you know, five-star linebacker, that's that's not a bad situation to be in. <laughs> not bad at all. And they kept saying, like, you know, just is he going to be have shot push them once? He's like, no, he's there. He's he's like <laughs> in the one. You know what I'm saying? Like he couldn't get any more in with the ones right now. So uh, yeah, there because there's a lot of hype coming from this one. You know, a lot of people are thinking he's going to be the best freshman in the SEC next year, and uh, Steele's kind of kind of ringing that bell already. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Now flipping over to Kenny Dillingham, who. I guess I shouldn't have said coordinator. He's more of a, you know, quarterbacks <laughs> coach. This? Gus Malzahn is actually the coordinator, but uh, this is uh, this is the guy they hired, I believe, from Memphis. That uh, he looks like he's about 24 years old, Shane, and mm-hmm. he's he's clearly taken his cues from Malzahn. He was asked about the quarterback competition, and it, it's almost like the words were coming straight out of old Gus's mouth. Had a really good camps. They've both gotten better. You can see the growth from spring. What people people don't realize is we can't watch them throw a football. We can't do football with them from spring until camp. So watching them learn the offense, get better, and come out and execute things from spring until now, they've all drastically gotten better. So uh, I've, I've been pleased with both of them. Uh, I think they are both really good players. We can win with both. And uh, we'll just kind of see how camp ends up. Even though you, you obviously can't say who it is, do you feel like this is there is 
a process that's much closer now to actually naming the quarterback? Do you feel like it's, it's I, I wouldn't say much closer. I'd say we have more information in terms of we know, uh, kind of have more data of what a, each player can do, and uh, both of them can help us win games. So I wouldn't say we're closer. I would just say, obviously, the more time you practice, uh, the more information you have. All right, Shane, I think old uh, Junior here was instructed not to say much of anything on this quarterback situation, and he listened to what uh, old daddy had to say here, didn't he? Yeah, and I don't know how much he really knows, man. I think this cat's still fetching coffee, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is Gus's show, so I just hope that he's not a scapegoat if things start to fail. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, well, I think Malzahn, that's the whole point. He's put himself in a position where he can't put it on anyone else. And, yeah. You know, his offensive play calling, that's what got him the job. If it's if he's going down, and I know you think he probably is, I probably think he is not. I think he's kind of just weathered the storm already. But uh, if he does go down, he's going to go down calling it his way. And certainly this guy's not going to step up and challenge him. I think that's kind of why he hired him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Shane, let's jump to the other Columbia, Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Where old Barry Odom met with the media here on Thursday. And injury update here, Shane. Man, the Tigers, now they got three tight ends that are down. Albert O still limited. They say he's getting better. But the, the real bad news here, uh, Brandon Scales, the backup, he's out six to eight weeks. He's got a broken foot, apparently. Uh, so that's tough. But, uh, you know, I, it almost feels like Barry Odom's been listening to the podcast, Shane. He's taking some <laughs> game here from Jimbo Fisher saying uh, they're going to be playing some freshmen, which you, can, you typically don't expect a ton of that at Missouri. But, uh, you know, credit the new NCAA redshirt rule because I really liked what Barry Odom had to say about playing freshmen here. So let's jump to Coach Odom. Are you at the point where you identify any freshmen yet? Or with the new rule, does that just get delayed a month? I think we're going to play. We've got the mindset right now we're going to play them all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all going to play, get in a position that they'll play four games for sure. But then I think there's some guys, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, I would I would be really surprised if Nico Hay doesn't play the entire season for us. This is the things that he's done uh, from the day he stepped on campus, so impressed with, with his maturity level, with the things he does, and the way he can help us in, in different roles and kicking and tight end. And uh, he's a talented guy. And, and, you know, there's there's a number of guys that I think have really got to, after you get some game experience, I think they can help us uh, down the stretch as well. So I'm excited about the group. Um, but also those, you know, the opportunity to play them in four games and you know, get their feet wet, so to speak, um, see how they handle, you know, the, the ability to, to do it when the lights are on. All right, Shane, so this is the beauty of the redshirt rule. You know, you could have this carrot out there for these freshmen because in years past when someone gets redshirted heading into the year, you know, it just seemed natural for them to kind of shut it down, be disengaged almost. But mm-hmm. now he's if he's being truthful here and he's letting these these guys play a minimum of four games, you know some of these players may need to step up or some of them may just excel on the field and then hell he's gonna you know he's just gonna keep them out there so uh, that's another big reason that I really love the the new redshirt rule. Oh, I love it too, man. And you know something like uh, Pruitt was talking last week about some people are better at practice than they aren't games. You know, so now you you got the opportunity to cut some of these kids loose, 
And who knows, maybe they're better at games than they are at practice. And like you said, work their way into a position to play. And, you know, one of the guys he was talking about was that Nico Hay. That's a true freshman that's coming in at tight end. And, and he's really excited about him and being right there behind Albert O, which I think O will be back. But knowing that you've got a freshman back there that has real potential, can play four games, and then you could still redshirt him if needed, is uh, it's just a great tool. And I'm, this is the way it should be used. And last thing here on Missouri, Shane, last year it was the game against Wyoming. That was the, my predicted big upset. <laughs> the weather game, yeah. The weather game. <laughs> and guess what old Barry Odom went to for the Wyoming game? What did he say? The elevation. <laughs> this might be a little too soon, though, but with the, the elevation in Wyoming, what, what do you and the athletic staff do to kind of prep these guys for that? Our sports our sports nutritionist, uh, Palmer Johnson, has done a lot of research for us, and he's changed our diet and the way that we're going to eat the three weeks leading up to the game, which will help us out. You know, There's some supplements that, that uh, he feels like will give us an advantage, and then also... You know, I've, I've spent time talking to staffs that, that have played there before. So, um, you know, you look at just like if you were going into a situation where it was going to be really, really hot. You know, I want our guys to have all the information. But at the end of the day, it's how we prepare and then ultimately how we go play one snap at a time. All right, Shane, so Coach Odom's taking it a step further. I was on the weather last year. He's already concerned about the elevation. This is a damn troubling sign to me. Because last time I, I, made, I picked a game by the weather, I, made, I was made to look like a damn fool. So <laughs> hopefully Missouri doesn't do the same when they open week one against Wyoming, who, you know, I don't know a ton about Wyoming, but I do know they have a hell of a coach. Here. They get Their former coach was the guy that was running that North Dakota state that always wins the Division II national championship. So, mm-hmm. hell, I mean, Missouri, if they're not careful, if they, if they get cocky, they hit this elevation. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Golly, they got the oxygen tanks on the sideline, man. <laughs> How do you prepare for an elevation game? It's not like they could just go over there to the Ozarks, you know, and hang out. It's nowhere near. It's not, you know what I'm saying? So, oh, geez, that, that, is, that is tough. I've never thought about that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> go up there at the arch, you know, and go – hang out with the guys, do some exercises up there or something. I don't know. I don't think you can prepare for elevation unless you got like, you just can't. All right, Shane, let's jump to Lexington. Where our boy Cash Daniel, he spoke with the media here recently. And uh, man, if you have not seen this presser, it's pretty impressive that the guy is ready for football. You can tell he's, <laughs> he's shirtless, but he's still wearing pads. I don't know how he pulled that one off, but he's doing it for the damn presser. And he was a little heated, Shane, because he was asked about Mark Stoops' comments and how he's disappointed about the defense and the latest scrimmage. And Cash Daniel kind of went into detail on, on why, that, why that was. No, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, very pleased, and uh, you know he shouldn't have been. Uh, I know that each player on the defense wasn't pleased. I know each one of our coaches weren't pleased. Uh, not from the fact that we just looked, you know, absolutely terrible because that's not that's not the case. It's just the fact that, you know, we uh, we set a standard, you know, for ourselves each and every day we come out on this field. And on Saturday we just felt like, you know, overall we didn't meet up to that standard. Stoop said there has to be a sense of urgency with these guys. What yeah. have you seen in that department? Well, it, it all falls back to experience, you know, and uh, the experience they have of, you know, what is urgency in a college atmosphere uh, and on the college practice field and in a scrimmage situation. 
because you know urgency is different when you're on the practice field versus when you're in a scrimmage like situation. Now, if you want to practice like you play, you know, then that takes care of things. But you know, there's some guys that you know just continue to learn how to practice here in college. You know, and uh, day in and day out, you know, this ain't high school no more. And uh, you know, your body's going to hurt like a high school game after each and every practice. So. Each and every day, you got to come out with the right mindset of getting better, holding yourself to that standard, lining up with urgency, knowing your call, uh, knowing your responsibility, and come out here and practice day by day and get better and better, you know, each rep by rep. All right, Shane, so I don't know how you read this, but it certainly seems like Cash Daniels kind of feeling the same thing as Coach Stoops, and, you know, he's stepping up, taking that leadership role, letting these guys know, you know, we may have won 10 games last year, but that doesn't mean shit. If you don't do your job now, there's no chance in hell we're going to repeat that kind of success. Dude, this was awesome. He's just sitting there, like, no shirt. He's got these shoulder pads on. They're just missing spikes, you know, like the Road Warriors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he's right, you know. I mean, Coach was coach, coach was hard on him. You heard it in the press. He was not happy about the defense. And this is what you expect from a true team captain right here, coming out and owning it, you know. When they asked – was it more the pass or more the defense? It was everything. You know, he was not happy with the defense. He was more upset about the defense than, than coach was. And that's what you want to have from a team leader. So hopefully they do rebound. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Roll Nick Saban met with the media, Shane, and uh, he gave a latest injury update. He said LeBron Ray should be back, but on, he's already practicing, excuse me, on a limited basis. Uh, Stefan Wynn. Should be back next week. DJ Dale should be back at the end of this week, Friday particularly. So uh, Alabama's getting some good news there on their their defensive front seventh. You know they've had the linebacker go down. They've had some other players go down. So it's fi- it's good to finally get some additions there. But one addition Coach Saban was really excited about. He was asked about his offensive line. Uh, he really praised it. And then he was asked about Landon Dickerson, the FSU transfer. Uh, leave it to Alabama, Shane, to just pick up a five-star like it's nothing, guy ready to play. Uh, Coach Saban talked about that addition, but then it, it was really interesting here because it seemed like he kind of called out his team a little bit here. Just what have you seen from your offensive line that you've liked so far on campus, especially the interior? And What do you think about the overall depth there? Well, I, I like the offensive line. Uh, I think we've got some pretty good experience there. I like the two tackles that we have. I think they've both had really good camps. We have four or five guys that can play inside uh, that have done really well. So without naming specific players, um, you know, I think we can have a really good offensive line. We've had players sort of nicked up, missing a practice here, missing a practice there. Like to be get them all out there so we could try to put the best group together and try to get our best five out there, which I don't know that we've ever had the chance to do to this point. But um, you know, I, I feel better about the number of players that we have at that position now than I've had most of the time in the past. So I feel pretty good about it. With that group, how's Landon Dickerson fitting in now? He's been here about a week and a half now. I think Landon Dickerson has done a really good job. He's really tough. Uh, he's a very physical player, very smart. Uh, he's played center and guard both for us. Uh, and have that diversity as a player is uh, really important, I think. And I think he has a unique perspective on, you know, coming from some place that maybe um, 
the players didn't have it quite as good as they have it around here. And I hope our players really understand, you know, what they have, the opportunities that they have, and that their focus is really in the right place, which is on our team being good. I think sometimes, you know, players don't realize, they get a little self-absorbed and they think about how things affect them. But really, playing good and winning help players more than anything else. And the reason our players get all the accolades that they get and all the notice and attention that they get is because they're good players, but it's also because we win. And I think players need to keep that in perspective because that's a very important part of why we have so many players that get opportunities at the next level and get recognized for what they do here as a football player while they're at the University of Alabama. All right, Shane, so Sabanism 101 right here. <laughs> seems like some psychology here. He's playing with this team, just letting them know you would not be maybe these All-American type players if you weren't at Alabama, and you need to kind of think about that. Yeah, I mean, that's what it felt like to me. Of course, I'm always trying to decipher what Saban's saying, you know, because <laughs> I, I think he's always working angles, and, and he may not have been in this situation, but then again, you know, maybe uh, maybe you wouldn't be a first-teamer if you weren't playing for the University of Alabama. That's what it kind of felt like, you know. You should be grateful for where you're at, because if you were on another team, you may not have the same accolades you have coming into this season. So that's what it felt like. It felt like a saving flex, man. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing he's not flexing on, Shane, is do not call Nick Saban a fan and do not try to hang out and drink a beer with him. Here's <laughs> Coach Saban saying he's never damn tailgated in his life. I'm going to go history, too, um, with the 150-year anniversary celebration that's going on. As a fan – or as a student of the game, do you have a favorite moment or a favorite game in college football history? Well, I'm not a fan. I've never been to a, what do you call it when you get in the parking lot and have a cookout tailgate? I've never been to one of those. Um, so I can't give you a perspective from a fan standpoint. I'll tell you what, Shane, he did not appreciate <laughs> being called a fan. And the fact that he doesn't tailgate makes me not want to hang out with him. It's good to know I think Jeremy Pruitt, there was a time in his career, Shane, he was tailgating before the game, he was tailgating yeah. after the game, and he was tailgating on Mark Rick's lawn. So, I don't know, point point goes to Pruitt here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you there. And, of course, you know, Saban grew up, I think, during the Prohibition. So, <laughs> so, so you know, they probably weren't allowed to drink back then. And when you're past college, you're not thinking about it as much. So I, I'm with you. I don't think Saban would be a fun one to hang out with. <laughs> no. Even though, I mean, I would. I would like to hang out with him as I'm drinking, you know, just see him get more and more angry, you know, with the questions I ask him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, last team I got to hit on here. Let's jump to Knoxville. Tennessee defensive line coach Tracy Rocker met with the media here on Thursday. It's kind of what you would expect with Tennessee, you know, having all their starters on the defensive line gone. Emmett Gooden lost for the year. Aubrey Solomon, they don't know if he can play. I mean, we've kind of went on this on and on and on. And, you know, Tracy Rocker was asked about his unit, how they're shaping up. And it's kind of what you'd expect some up and down here. But he, he seems to really like the talent he's got on his line. And he really called out one guy that a lot of people may not be focusing on as a potential breakout candidate here. Um, I, well, it depends on what day. Certain days is good and some days is bad. But the thing is, 
it's part of football. It's part of growing up. We have good days and bad days, but um, I, you do see potential. And then you know, it's like a roller coaster. It'll start. You're like, oh man, we're gonna have a great one. Then it'll it'll come down. Then it goes back up. And the biggest thing is we're trying to work to be consistent, and that's the most important thing. I feel good that we are, but it's part of camp. It's part of growing up. And um, we got some young guys over there. And I, I, it's one thing I've learned. Um, Reggie White said this a long time ago when uh, when I met him that. I had a young defensive line when I was coaching at the University of Arkansas, and I when Reggie White came and spoke with us. And the first thing I said, "How do you get these guys to play a little bit older?" He said, "You got to tell them they're older. You got to say, act like you're older, think like you're older, and, and not play like you're a freshman." And so that's one thing I've never forgotten, and, and that's part of it, getting them to think older, play older, and mature and grow up faster. How do you do that? Keep talking about it, keep training them, and, and, and keep building confidence. It's easy to walk out there and beat them down. But you, you got when they do when they when they do something well, we have to praise them and let them know. When they do something bad, we own them. And uh, but you got to keep building them up. Well, there is some inexperience. Do you like the talent level of your group? Yes, I, I love the talent level. I, I, what we got is what we got, and it's up to it's up to me and, and the defensive coaches to keep um, pulling the best out of them and keep working. And um, and hopefully, while we're in camp, we keep putting them in in different situations so that they will be ready for the season. How have you been play? able to identify pass rushers among your group? Um, I think, you know, pass rushers have been uh, uh, the guy that's probably stood out that we think has the potential has been uh, uh, Bumpus. Bumpus is really uh, has improved, and he's improved just run and passes, getting better as a football player. But he's really stood out to us a lot. Aubrey's practicing. Aubrey is doing his part and uh, working hard and doing a good job at it. How does it play into the challenge, though, of preparing for a season when you're this late in the camp, not knowing whether you're going to have and whether you're not going to have them? You need to take that question up to compliance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, so that should give you a little bit of confidence that, uh, <laughs> hell, a lot of these defense alignment Tennessee, you know, diehard fans know who they are. The SEC fans probably never heard of these guys, but uh, if you got one of the best defensive linemen in SEC history coaching them up, uh, he thinks they got talent. Uh, I think that should give volunteer fans some confidence going into the season. Some, you know, but we, here we got proof. <laughs> we got Pruitt comparing it to a blind driver on Kingston, <laughs> you know, comparing it to a roller coaster. So I don't really know what we got in there. So I keep seeing some videos. They look good, but. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. You know, I'm just watching a couple of drills and stuff like that. So uh, we're going to find out soon, man. <laughs> it's rockers. He got any eligibility left? Let's put him out there. <laughs> Damn. He, he kicked our ass when he was at Auburn. <laughs> all right, Shane. So that's all the news I got. But before we jump off here, I wanted to add a little something for the fans just heading into the weekend. I thought this would be kind of interesting. Uh, at my job there at Saturday Down South, they asked me to rank the five best games of September and I, I stuck this specifically to just conference games so mm -hmm. I, I did not list any non-conference games it feels like the non-conference ones you know we've been talking about all offseason we all know what the big ones are so I'm just going to give you my top five SEC games for the first month of the season and I'm going to go in order here uh, number one, I put at the top of the list, Shane, Alabama at South Carolina, September 14th. I think this has potential to be a really great game. Uh, number two, Auburn at Texas A&M. I think this is a, a basically a loser-leave town, which is which is wild week three of the season. But if whoever loses this game, I mean, they're they still facing a gauntlet, so it's going to be tough. Number three, I know you'll appreciate this, Tennessee at Florida. 
Uh, I think there's a very good chance both these teams are undefeated headed into this one, which would may make it even rise the list a little bit here. Uh, South Carolina at Missouri. I think that's going to be a great game that uh, Mm -hmm. could be kind of a crossroad games for each of those programs. And last but not least here, Mississippi State at Auburn. Uh, This is going to be a a really tough game for the Bulldogs, but if they can pull it out, they may have a really great season. And Auburn, on the other hand, if they lose this one, they're they've it, this is sandwiched between three road games so that i mean this is a critical game for auburn yeah well i had just because i was looking at your list so I, I looked at it and i said well i wonder who else would be there but like you said if you don't take the notre dame game or the texas game uh the only other one i may consider moving on this list and even though they'd have three uh, would be the South Carolina Kentucky game just because Kentucky has had South Carolina's number for so long mm-hmm. that it you know this is going to be a big year if they're going if they play that's such a pivotal game right after that Missouri game if they can win it and then go and beat Kentucky then who knows what will happen but if they drop both of those then ugh, you know that's not even the toughest teams on their schedule. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina, they've got to get off on a good start here. Otherwise, it's going to be a long year. And I think it all start. It really starts with this Alabama game for me. I mean, if they imagine if they pull the upset there, I mean, the perception changes immediately of their season. You know, we, we know they're likely not going to get that W. But if, you know, if they have a good showing here, like you said, then they got the Missouri game and the Kentucky game. I mean, none of these are, are gimmies by any means. Yeah. So you, you really think they got a shot against Bama? Uh, I mean, I certainly would obviously favor Alabama heavily, but I don't know. I think I just I just don't think Alabama is quite as good as people think they are, and I mm-hmm. think South Carolina is a lot better than people are making them out to be. So I do think it'll be a much closer game than people are anticipating, and I think uh, you know the people at CBS kind of agree with me. This is their CBS marquee game of the week here. Okay. All right, man. I think that's, I'm looking at the schedule and honestly, that may be the best game of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, there's some really bad games. Well, Florida and Kentucky, that'd be a good one. Right. I think so, but other than that, yeah, I think all eyes are going to be on them too. All right, Chad, I think that's going to do it for this one. Uh, you got anything before we hop off here? No, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us this week. And uh, we did get a couple of ghost reviews on iTunes, so I don't know your name, but I appreciate you, whoever you are. And uh, those reviews really do help us out. So if you if you got yourself a little iPhone there, just uh, hop on, give us a five-star rating. That really, that really goes a long ways for us. But, uh, dude, it's football time, buddy. Next week we're going to be talking some uh, Florida-Miami matchup. Yes, sir. And... Uh, just like on the last episode, if you have something Shane, you want Shane or I to read to even embarrass us or make fun of us, leave it in a five-star heart review and we'll read it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, I, too, off that note, we've also had uh, a lot of people asking about some mailbag questions. So, um, you know, probably sometime next week we'll hope to get into it. Sorry we didn't get you know, have time to do it this week. But uh, if you've got a mailbag question or something like that, you can definitely send it to our Reddit page. That's that SEC podcast. Or you can send it to the Twitter page. Uh, same same handle, that SEC podcast. So uh, other than that, Mike, that's all I got, brother. All right, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Go balls.
final oh. thing. Yeah, I'll be out. Okay, one second. Love you, baby. Good night. Football, baby. It's football time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love my kids, but, you know, it's, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love them more. I love them more, Mike. I'm always going to pause for them, brother. <laughs>